Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rablick and and thank you for joining me for this podcast. I've got a warning up front. This is going to be a slightly different conversation. My new book has come out, and but I couldn't really interview myself because it'd be kind of strange. So what we're doing today is Lisa Gregg, who, who regular listeners of my podcast series would know, uh, is a tax agent, is an expert in, in a whole range of issues, is putting the shoes on and flipping into the driver's seat. And she's going to give me a grilling about what the where's wipers and what the hex of the new book that's come out called Roots and Ripoffs. Lisa, thank you for joining me again. Thank you for joining me, Tom, should I be so? Uh, I think that's probably correct. <laughs> I, I, now, I now put myself uh, in your hands and leave myself at your mercy. Oh, I think I think you've been very game to do this, Tom. So, yes, look, absolutely delightful. And thank you for asking me to do this because um, I have gone on a number of your book journeys with you uh, in our various discussions over the years. And uh, this one's... Uh, I reckon really hit the mark for me because um, as we were chatting just before is uh, I've decided I might give this as uh, as a Christmas present to my clients because I think it will help keep me honest with them is where I'm coming from. So Tom, the book is called Rorts and Ripoffs and I have been privileged to get an early release electronic copy so thank you for that. Uh, extremely well written as I'd expect from you. So... Let's just kick it off with what is Australia's fascination, and we might even go even further than that, with convicts, bad people, criminals and bushrangers. Where did that come from? I, and you're obviously referring to my introduction, um, which is uh, the way I opened the book, and it, it, it part of the creative process for Roots and Ripoffs was thinking about how you walk into uh, a situation where you're telling people they need to be careful. And how do you introduce um, a topic that really shouldn't need introduction because we've been dealing with bad people and exploitative characters for centuries, thousands of years, time immemorial. So I sat back and thought about, well, what what, what are the kinds of characters that people glorify, that are the, the bad guys? And over the years, people have looked at bushrangers, for example, Ned Kelly. Uh, they've looked at others. We actually um, sing about a crook from time to time and waltzing Matilda, which is extraordinary. We actually... In our own literature, in our own poetry, in our own music, we kind of glorify the anti-authoritarian, the person who breaks the rules. And then when you think about it, Waltzing Matilda uh, is about a swagman um, who ends up deciding he dodged the law by jumping in a lake. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tom. I, I always thought it was interesting when we had the referendum, if that's the right term, with um, was it going to be our national anthem? And I go, it can't be. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, so, in uh, essence, it's, it's, it? it's about a crook. It's about a crook that wants to steal uh, 
uh, a steel yeah. jumper gets sprung and then he decides it's better. He's better off committing suicide. And I think yes, exactly. how how the heck does anybody want it, want that kind of thing? Uh, that level of darkness is a national anthem. To, to be quite frank, uh, I've never understood that. Uh, I've never understood the fact um, that uh, in my later years, rather, because back in back when you were learning about Neb Kelly and Bush Rangers, it's all very cowboys and Indianish, you know, Lone Ranger, Bush Rangers, and others. Uh, and later on in life, you start to reflect on the fact that that. Yeah, some of these characters are actually our domestic terrorists. And, you know, Ned Kelly had the Gibraltar letter. Uh, it's, it's a manifesto, literally. You know, I mean, there are terrorists and others have manifestos these days, and, and Ned Kelly had one. It was a Gibraltar letter. Um, and then, you know, if it wasn't for some enterprising individual who managed to get themselves out of the Glen Rowan Hotel, there'd be a train that would uh, that would have been sort of keeling over. Um, I mean, i got no idea how and we get to glorify the likes of Ned mm. Kelly and, and, you know, Dan Kelly and, and Joe Byrne and, and, and others. But we do. And it's a really... It, it, and we actually need to stop that because, you know, it's not attitudinally um, proper uh, to go down that road because what we're actually saying is, you know, in some cases, you know, it's appropriate to, well, it might be appropriate to break the law or, or protest that is in, in, in a democracy going as far as the Kelly gang did when they actually murdered police officers and later plotted to murder murder a whole bunch of people um, uh, further down the track in their sort of criminal career, you scratch your head and you wonder. I mean, Ned, Ned Kelly's not a hero. He's actually uh, one, of our, well, one of our terrorists and we need to treat it that way. Yes, exactly, Tom. So we're looking at... It's, there's still that sort of um, emotion and glorifying, you know, the, the bush rangers uh, in, in early um, Australian culture. Then if we then, let's just go forward now to other criminals that you could say, well, maybe criminals too strong a word, that um, have stolen um, from the poor to give to the rich, if I can put it that way, to a Robin Hood vernacular, with like the Banking Royal Commission, how come we didn't see the banks in the same light in in that way? And that sort of blends in with this book, Rorts and Ripoffs, as well as your previous book, Vulture City. Uh, yeah, I think it, we begin, we sort of treat um, certain types of criminal activity differently or we treat certain kinds of misconduct differently um, and it may have to do with body count and how much blood is spilled in some respects <laughs> uh, because if you begin to think about the way in which yeah, and I, I do this in, in Rorts and Ripoffs but in, but in a bit more depth in Vulture City for those who want to mm. go there, if you think about the way in which we think about white collar crime for example um, 
as people became more dependent on advisors, more dependent on professional service providers, uh, they became um, more likely to be exploited by the person they saw as an expert. Hmm. And over time, that then turned into a situation where people deal with issues um, in a relationship of trust between themselves and an advisor. They think the advisor is doing well for them. Or they think the the tradesperson is doing the doing it properly because you know if you can't fix something yourself at home. You would hope that someone you're bringing in to help you is going to fix it and not charge you a mint for the time that they spend on the premises. Hmm. Uh, so it's a reliance or inter- interdependence on certain individuals. When we get to banks and advisors, uh, people are told to sell uh, products to people as if they were doing the customer a favour. Now, the dialogue is probably going to be syrupy. It's probably going to involve people in uh, telling um, not quite half-truths but omitting fact, uh, which is something that Jeff Morris, the CBA whistleblower, spoke about during parliamentary committees over a period of time. Uh, He appeared before several parliamentary committees, in fact, and one of the case studies in the book talks about how financial advisors at the Commonwealth Bank were trained not to tell clients about charges they could avoid unless the client specifically asked the question. That's correct, Tom. That seems to be the train of thought. So what you're trying to get out with this book is really helping the gen pop the Australian citizens out there um, with this like knowledge arbitrage that's there as well because as we know working in the accounting profession we use a lot of jargon so you've got to basically debunk that and that's what you've done with this book with a lot of the the watch outs and the cautionary tales. It's important for people to be able to see what exactly they need to avoid, Lisa. So what I've, what I've tried to do throughout the book, um, and other people will tell me if I've done it successfully, but what I've tried to do uh, throughout the book is is combine uh, the teaching background I've got, the journalistic background I've got, and technical knowledge, and to be able to say to people, this is here's a case study, and throughout the case study, these are the points at which you need to stop and reflect if you're involved in a conversation or a transaction. Uh, how do you? How should you be treating suspect emails, uh, even if they're coming, even even if they appear to be coming from someone that you know? Uh, is there a weird-looking kind of link? Should you click on it? Obviously not. It might take you somewhere uh, that might you know have a malicious piece of software that then goes looking for your personal details in on your computer. Well, uh, in terms of malware, it might do some serious damage to files. All that kind of thing is covered in the book, um, and it's there to help people avoid getting themselves into strife and raise awareness 
of the areas that are likely to cause difficulty. Yeah, Tom, it seem, you seem to have covered a, it's a pretty big range of topics actually in the book because you've got the, the, the case study aspect and you've got the watch outs and cautionary tales and things like that as well. So I was just thinking, um, how did you, how'd you come up with getting that right mix? Because I've, I've, I've read most of it now um, and it's it's got it's got a nice blend of that. Did you go, did you set out by by developing you know this sort of how-to manual if if I can call it that okay uh, the uh, there were several things I knew I needed to cover uh, the first is uh, you needed to cover the area of how people get the right advisor uh, what are the things they need to consider because those issues are uh, not always spoken about properly. Um, I think when we cover uh, things in journalism, we tend to talk about the misconduct somebody has engaged in. Uh, and we don't necessarily always you know, do the instructive thing, and that is explain to people how to avoid dealing with people who are dodgy. Uh, so throughout the book, there are various tips and ideas that I, I put in to allow people to ask their own questions and to empower them uh, that way. Um, and then we had COVID, so there was a bunch of stuff that came out of COVID as well. Uh, the puppy scam uh, resurrected itself during mm. COVID. So mm. I thought, well, let's let's write about the puppy scams. They're a perennial scam. They, they kick it. They've been around for years, but... Because people had been encouraged by friends or by social media types to look at uh, buying a pet uh, because pets are good in isolation, all that sort of stuff, uh, people were starting to look for dogs in places they shouldn't be looking for dogs. Uh, and in fact, they, were pro uh, <laughs> they just sounded so bad, Tom, but I'll, I'll let that one go. <laughs> um, well, well, they, they, it, the, online classifiers or to the point where you don't even see the animal you're getting, uh, where you don't even... Yeah, exactly. Where you don't have... It's a supply and demand issue, surely. Yeah, it's a supply and demand issue, but it's also the fact that uh, people may be in a hurry to consummate a, a, a transaction or will deliver upon mm. a transaction, then they, um, they get caught up in that chain of communication which is which basically results in them paying lots of money but getting nothing in return. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you're looking at different aspects of, of, of what you've covered in the book, there's that element of the maliciousness of the attack and then you've got the maybe the naivety of the person or the if they're gullible or not. Um, what do you see as, now that you've researched it and analysed it, What's the bigger impact? Do you think it's 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 the it's the person that is just unaware from a say a technology point of view when clicking on this link and you, you empty out your bank account, or is it like oh I've got a bridge I can sell you? Are they are they gullible? Where 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 does that fit into the the quantum of 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 concern? Let's say in the rorts and ripoffs. Okay, there are, uh, that's actually a very good question, um, and uh, I'll break it down into 
probably two or three parts. The first being um, people who are yeah, not technologically literate will get themselves into strife if they you know, if they just see something that looks appealing. Um, but that's not the end of the story. Uh, there are people who are technologically literate who are, who are you know, in their 20s and 30s, a heck of a lot younger than some other people, who are also getting uh, pulled into scams and, and similar because the scammers are modifying their techniques as they go. They're using different kinds of communications. They're using different kinds of um, messaging platforms to get at people. They're using Facebook to promote things. Uh, that go to dubious links that might be, you know, uh, as, as I said earlier, that, that a website might actually be a kind of a Trojan. It, uh, there might even be a website that is used to harvest information by a phishing campaign that somebody is mounting mm. to get details, not necessarily uh, to do something with the information at that moment, but they may get somebody's details either to commence another phishing campaign with spoof emails or even you know, use somebody else's identity, your credit card details and whatever have you to buy stuff and uh, move money very, very quickly. So it's a question of awareness of what's going on. Maliciousness, yes, there's always going to be bad guys, but how do you prevent... How do you inoculate people from uh, bad guys? And the only way you're going to do that is boost awareness so they're less gullible than they were before they read a book or before they heard a television segment or before they heard something on talkback radio and also ensure that they ask the right questions when they're engaging with people. If you accept everything somebody says to you uh, without any level of scepticism, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And that, I think, is also something that's a valuable lesson for people in the media, people in journalism as well. Um, These days, the electronic environment is king. There are people who would rather you not quiz them face-to-face or on the phone. They'll give responses via email. So you've got to push a bit harder today than you might have uh, otherwise because the cut-and-paste culture has also created um, a a bit of laziness along the way. Mm. Mm. So do you think, Tom, that the scams are more effective now in the digital environment than the, um, let's say, the old, old faxes that used to come through in what would have that been 30 years ago from the Nigerian prince or, you know, the, the door-to-door sales salesperson that uh, went around trying to offer you, you know, steak knives or, or, or brooms or something? Do you think that it's more effective now with, with the spread of the World Wide Web? Okay. I think the answer to, the answer to that question is, is relatively simple and that is electronic communication has enabled uh, bad actors to 
spreading it wide. Um, so let's let's take a number off the top of my head. Let's assume that they send 2,000, 3,000 emails um, via a spoofed email identity that, you know, claims to, claims that uh, an accountant somewhere in deepest, darkest Nigeria has um, their hands on an inheritance that, uh, you know, as it belongs to you, um, and all you have to do is pay some fees up front to get access to, to that money. Uh, all it takes for these guys to succeed is one or two people to be sufficiently gullible to go down that road. Um, so I think that in terms of their range and their scope and their ability to hit more people with their scams, the internet environment is certainly uh, their playground. Uh, that said, uh, people that are aware of some of the tricks and games that can be played won't fall for it. But it's, it, it, it comes down to education at the end of the day, I think. And that's what your book's out there trying to educate people and to, to increase people's awareness of it all, isn't it? That's part of it. It certainly is. It's not the be-all and end-all. I think but, but, but the other thing that, that might be useful to mention is I've actually included a little directory of agencies that people can go and contact, the, the web addresses and, and other things down the back, so they can, once they've you know, sort of read the book, they understand that there are places they can go. Uh, to have conversations with people about problems they've come across. Yeah, that's really important, isn't it, Tom, that um, sometimes you're not sure what jurisdiction um, is, it, you know, do you go to the police and the police, well, oh, if it's, it might be a civil matter, so they're not really interested. Uh, but you've got to know how, well, it's probably two aspects. Do you want to bring the perpetrators to justice? And secondly, do you want to be recouped from your losses somehow? And you've covered both of those things in the book. There's a bit of that. Uh, but also, the, the in terms of regulation, people who are under um, some form of duress, they're distressed, they've, they've had something bad happen to them, won't always know uh, who to turn to. Let's take an area we both know well, um, being tax agents. Now, yeah, people might go directly to the tax practitioners board um, to deal with a complaint, but they may not understand that they can take a complaint to a professional accounting body as well, or a similar organisation that somebody is a member of. And deal with, uh, you know, get them to investigate a member's conduct. So there are more than one way of dealing with things. Now, I do understand that people who watched the Handwell Commission and looked at the, the case study related to financial planners and how uh, they get disciplined by a professional body, uh, it would have been a bit... Uh, disappointed by the way in which that played out with uh, Sam Henderson and, and the Financial Planning Association. Mm. But 
that's not necessarily going to be you know the normal uh, case in terms of discipline. Uh, so I'd encourage people to take take action if they feel they need to uh, and get an accounting body to explore whether there's a complaint that is actionable against a member. It's important also for the professional body's sake because you know, there's no point having a designation you hold up as uh, as the gold standard, if you like, uh, if the customers of you know, a professional are running around saying, well, this guy is a, is a member of Body X and he's done X, Y and Z to me or I've lodged a complaint uh, but nothing's happened or it's taken forever. It's a reputational management issue because it can rub off on other people too. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tom. And and I think what you've highlighted there as well as and and we'll use accounting as an and tax agents as an example because we both know that very well, is that, you know, someone like myself, um, you know, there's there's a number of different authorities, associations, whatever you want to call it, um, that I'm I have responsibility to. And so therefore you can go to a number of those. Um, to basically uh, check that you're providing the right service and things like that. And, you know, even with, with ourselves, we've, we've got the Inspector General of Tax as well, that people aren't always uh, that, what, let's call it the tax tax ombudsman, um, Karen Payne, uh, that, that we can go to as well to um, pursue things. So there's a number of avenues and that's what you've explored in the book as well to, to give people the idea of what each of those bodies do and how they can potentially assist um, through any degree of, let's say, malpractice, for want of a better word. Yeah, I think the um, the one authority that I probably didn't touch on that you've mentioned um, is the Inspector General of Taxation, in part because it's not necessarily the automatic thing that the consumer deals with in financial advice. Uh, that tends to be the the institution that goes running after the ATO, and I think that's a separate book entirely. Mm, exactly, but it's just one of those things where there's just so many players that play in the space, and you've really got to debunk, yeah, the nomenclature and the vocabulary, and uh, that's what this book, when, when I was looking at it, it really brings it back to um, your general person on the street to be able to understand how they go about things to get the right outcome for themselves. And that's what I'm trying to do uh, in, in uh, what was it, about 45,000 words is about the correct weight of, um, of rorts and ripoffs. So it's, uh, it, it was an interesting thing to write and hopefully people will find it useful when it hits the streets next week. That's exactly right, Tom. So um, I hope that I've done okay asking the questions, although I did want to chime in a little bit. But uh, so tell people... When so the book's coming out next Tuesday, do you said where is it available? And I would recommend it being a really good stocking stuffer for this year. So give a give a huge plug since it's your podcast at the end to uh, to uh, sell some books. <laughs> okay, Lisa, and people can get it from wilkinsonpublishing.com.au, uh, which is the publisher's website, Booktopia. Uh, dot com dot au as well. I mean, Booktopia's got it up there now for pre has had it up there for pre order. Uh, it, you 
we'll be able to get it in bookstores at some stage. I think the the goal is to get it into people's hands at bookstores as well. So the book the book will be around. There will also be an electronic uh, version of it available. Uh, I've seen an electronic version land somewhere in an email. So there'll be that for those of you that read things on devices. So there will be no shortage of opportunities to to have a look at it. Uh, and certainly, uh, I'd be I'd be quite happy to assist with anyone uh, that needs any help along the way in terms of uh, dealing with any of the dealing with some of the issues that. I raise in the book. I'm easily contactable, easily found. Uh, my direct messages are open on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle being at travlick, all in caps, so people can contact contact me whenever. Yeah, Tom. I look, I, I I've thoroughly enjoyed having having a look at the book, and uh, really hits the mark. And as I said, I think it's just really pitched well for my client base, being um, small businesses and uh, people that don't have a a fantastic understanding of finance or accounting to be very aware of what can occur out there and really to keep me honest as well because there's a fantastic section on what to look for for um, accountants and things like that as well. So um, as I said, I think that will be my Christmas present to my client base for this year. Thanks for considering it that way, Lisa. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, set of interviews and conversations that the book gives rise to, I think. Yeah. No. Congratulations on on the book, Tom. What's how many, how many have you done now? How many books have you done now? Is that four or five? How many books have you written? I've been involved in four, but the two, Vulture City and... Uh, Roots and ripoffs are actually the the ones I've written from the ground up. Mm. Uh, the other two books were basically I mean, the, uh, a collection of material um, that was essentially archival research at Warren Mundine and and mm. that book uh, some people might remember with the uh, material from uh, Pauline Hanson's parliamentary career. I did a whole raft of stuff there, but that. Vulture City and Roots and Ripoffs are the two books that are uh, sort of ground up, all, all Rablick, 100% Rablick, no additives, no preservatives, really. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being on your own podcast. It's been absolutely delightful. Critical line item. I'm, I, I haven't ha- done a uh, tax podcast for a couple of weeks, so maybe this is my this is my penance for for not doing one is actually to interview you. So uh, yes, con- as a, again, Tom, congratulations and uh, thanks for letting me ask the questions. And, and, and it has been a unique experience, um, and I, I'll uh, we'll see whether we do this again in this format. <laughs> <laughs> One good question. One good question off you. So that was good. While you sort of had a bit of a thinking time to answer it. So look up. Abs- absolute fun, Tom. Well done. Thank you, and to the listeners, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll be, we will do some tax stuff again reasonably soon. I promise. Stay safe and look after each other.